Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today a little bit of behind the scenes. I woke up Saturday morning, thought now's a great time to record some short funk recordings, went downstairs, recorded for about 45 minutes, put the audio away, thought I was going to release it, came back to the audio in the evening, was like, oh no, none of this audio is usable, it's completely incoherent, none of the points I wanted to make were made, what am I going to do? So I went into the Short Funk Vault. And I found a recording that had been stashed back from June of this year. And I thought, hmm, how offensive is this? Why should it be in the vault? Decided to dust it off and put it out. I recorded a series yesterday associated with a question from listener Paul Brian Hancock. Paul asks, if I could do everything again, what would I change? And I completely rephrased this because this is an idea that I reflect on periodically. I don't feel that everything that has occurred up until this point has necessarily been the best possible circumstance through a particular situation. And for that reason, I do periodically reflect associated with various turning points in my life and the decisions that I've made and how they have affected myself and how they have affected others. One of the more interesting and introspective versions of this thinking is associated with my personal relationships. I am relatively utilitarian with friendship. I have very few friends and I'm relatively swift to just completely disregard people. This in large part is because the environment that I grew up in, I saw a series of archetypes that I didn't want to be a part of. And in seeing these archetypes, I realized that when I saw these archetypes entering into my personal life, and I had a choice to make, I could quickly make a choice not to be around these particular archetypes. And in terms of the folks that... I reflect on in terms of the people that I interacted with at one time in my life or another, although there are a few male figures through this, oftentimes it is women that I have known where I reflect very strongly associated with was this in fact the best way to behave in this circumstance. Almost all these interactions, almost all these friendships and relationships were toxic and they were toxic in a variety of fashions. But the way in which I extricated myself from each of these, periodically, with regards to certain individuals, causes me to reflect strongly. A couple of examples. When I lived in Australia, I had two serious, medium-term relationships. The first was with regards to a woman who I met in Malaysia. She was an Australian national in Malaysia. And she came back to Australia, and I guess we dated for about six months. But we dated remotely. Her mother's house was in New South Wales, so I'd travel up there periodically and she would come down. This was while I was still living on campus, and she also had contracted mono and had mono for a couple of years. And when I started dating her, I quickly fell sick with mono as well. That circumstance wasn't particularly pleasant, and it was clear that she had other dalliances while we were in this relationship, particularly living remotely, And some of these things turned out particularly poorly, and that was a relatively easy relationship to walk away from. It was relatively swift, had very little correspondence from her following, and she did contact me, I don't know, about 10 years after the fact, just to let me know that she was happily married. But I did think through that period, were there things that I could have done differently, and could I have changed certain behaviours? The next serious relationship I had was with a Malaysian artist who... At the end of the first CD, CD-ROM launch for Noble Ape, which was called Isle of the Apes, she started corresponding with me, and she, in a period of about three weeks, moved from Malaysia to come and live with me. 
And that was one of the more surreal circumstances because I had this woman just turn up on my doorstep, quite literally, or my, my shed stoop, for want of a better term. And in that circumstance, after about five months, I think I've told the story previously in a short folk, she just disappeared. She went back to Malaysia once before, and then she came back. Then I took her to the airport, and she just went back to Malaysia. And I didn't hear from her for a long period of time. She had a lot of stuff with me, <laughs> and I tried to make contact with her repeatedly. But when I didn't hear back from her via email, what do you do with a computer, a scanner, these kind of things? Well, I sold them, and I sold them at a relatively reasonable rate. It was a period of time where I was going to the US, and I needed the money. And I had sold other things like my violin and various other things. But I thought, well, you know, if she gets back in contact with me, we can work this thing out. But if I don't hear anything from her, what does one do in these circumstances? So I sold the equipment, I had the money, tried to contact her again, didn't hear anything from her. And after I came back from the US, I think probably just before I was about to leave again to go to the US in 99, she got back in contact with me. And I said to her, this just isn't the way that you behave. Like... <laughs> A standard expectation associated with equipment and these kind of things being left in someone's possession, maybe three months with some degree of communication, but you can't get back in contact with me in a year's time and just expect the stuff to be there. Or more importantly, you know, make financial demands which are completely beyond the price or, you know, what was there associated with the stuff. And I said, look, you live with me for an extended period of time. I didn't charge you any rent. I bought all the meals, all these kind of things. Why don't we just write this thing off? Didn't really hear much more from her from that period. However, when I did join Facebook, she did get back in contact with me just to say hello, and I apologised. Because now, now I'm older, I kind of feel I probably should have sent her some money, even though she contacted me a year after the fact, just in a kind of good faith element. But as it was, it was the way it was. Another experience I had through my early university period was with a woman who had been clearly abused by her father. I met her father on a couple of occasions, and although she didn't talk about it explicitly, it was clear that something had gone on with her father, and her father was a really strange character. I can't characterize the amount of time I spent with her. It was probably in the order of like nine months, just hearing this woman's problems on a kind of ongoing basis. But as soon as another option showed up, as soon as there was an ability to do something other than spending time with this woman or having this woman spend time with me. I moved on relatively swiftly. We didn't really have a discussion about it. It just ended. And it ended very abruptly. And months after the fact, I realized that probably there was some emotional investment in her part on the relationship or whatever it was. And I realized that she had, I don't know, reacted in a bad way associated with this thing. And I did feel genuinely sorry in the circumstances. We had a few chance meetings. We had a couple of conversations. When I moved to the Bay Area, I communicated with her briefly. But it was clear that she just didn't want to have me anywhere in her life, even as friends. And I reflected back that maybe things could have been done differently in these circumstances. These are the kind of reflections I have associated with what could I have done differently, what would I have done differently, but ultimately this is going to be an exploration that continues on. Paul Brian Hancock, you've unleashed a beast here. Tom Barbelay in San Jose, signing out.